Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that is related to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be at this holy place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. Allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break the chains of all evil and sin that holds us captive. May in this service be cursed all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, covetousness. All of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, O Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your redemption and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit. Allow us to discover your shining countenance. I lay the service in your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Let's go. 
лицом твоим спаситель, я хочу ходить всегда. And so, those of you who have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that continues to contain the depths of the riches of the wisdom of God that God has concealed until a specific time and begins to reveal by faith this unsearchable, imperishable treasure of Christ for those that have prepared their heart to receive these revelations. Matthew 5:45 and 48, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. 
the sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. We note that this promise contained in the commandment is the inheritance of the saints of all generations and this commandment of Christ is addressed specifically to his students. Therefore, people who do not accept God's delegated authority over themselves have no part in the inheritance that is contained in this commandment and are not able to have it and cannot be God's students. Relevant to fulfilling this required commandment, we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man, specifically the goals that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue. And in part, we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us in the two broken tablets in which we died by the law, for the law to live for the one that died and resurrected, and by doing so receive confirmation of our salvation in the new tablets of the covenant in the format of the law of the spirit of life, so that we provide God a basis to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the past law, but by the righteousness of faith, like he gave it to Abraham and his seed. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. We note that the righteousness of faith is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, which is presented in the preached word of God sent together with the person who is a father of God to us. God's faith is information that comes from hearing the word of God. This is not emotion. These are not feelings. This is God's supernatural information. In order to receive it, to hear it, you need to incline your ear, a circumcised ear. An uncircumcised ear will not be able to hear this call, these words. And so our faith is obedience to God's faith. That has us, uh, That is our circumcised ear, one that is able to hear this word with the intention to immediately fulfill that word. Considering the significance of the revelation that we have begun to look at in the previous service, today, again, I intend to leave and continue on to studied the paths of righteousness in the nets of righteousness and are a calling of ours, our callings to be fishers of men. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. Luke 5.10 We note that to be a fisher of men means to be a light to the world in the status of a city that stands at the top of a hill and a lamp in the house of the children of God who are the house of the Lord so that people seeing your good work would glorify our Father or your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on, the, but on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. This place of scripture corresponds to the other place where Jesus said, 
that you be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. These words are in the same sermon. Looking at this requirement, we conclude that to be a light of the world, when we talk about the nets of a fisherman, are our good works that the Lord has commanded that we do, and by which we need to catch first ourselves, and then afterwards only those people that will see that light. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2.10 Good work is a light to the world or being a light to the world. Good work are the works of God which are a light to the world as it relates to the purpose of the nets of righteousness is our obedience to the word of the person whom God has sent. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? These good works. What are we to do to be a light to the world? What do we do to be a net to the world, to be a fisher of men? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He sent. John 6, 28-29 God has sent Jesus, and by Jesus He sent the apostles. The same mandate that Jesus received, as the Heavenly Father sends me, I also send you. We have noted that before becoming a fisher of men as a light, a light to the world, It is necessary for us to catch ourselves upon the paths of righteousness into the nets of righteousness because the goals of our calling as it relates to the nets of righteousness is the achieving of our salvation where we give God proper grounds to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ so that God can erect within our body the stronghold of life. To catch yourself upon the path of righteousness into the nets of righteousness means by faith receive your redemption in the salvation of God for yourself and for your household in justification, which is given to us freely because of the grace of our God in Christ Jesus. Our words where we confirm or establish the faith of our heart are the nets of righteousness upon the paths of righteousness. When we confirm our justification by obeying the truth, cleanse our souls until there is a non-hypocritical brotherly love, we will receive the ability to be a light to the uh, light to the world as nets of righteousness. Obedience to the truth will cleanse our souls to a non-hypocritical brotherly love. And we need the blood and the cross of Christ. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of a corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. 1 Peter 1, 22-23. Therefore, according to the words of Christ, confirming that we perform good work, which is a light as a purpose of the nets of righteousness will be the love of the saints toward each other, similar to the love of Christ which, with which he has loved us. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. John 13, 35. That's how people will know or see the light when you will have the right relationship with one another, will love one another. Therefore, the nets of righteousness into which we catch ourselves are a guarantee for us in the seed of our salvation, which we are called to turn to profit, so that the promise that is received by us in the seed of righteousness would bear us the fruits of righteousness in the format of the stronghold of life. 
that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, here it's talking about resurrection, you will be saved. Because with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 9, 10. In other words, we are called to become fishermen, casting our nets by confessing the faith of God that abides within our heart to catch such fish that would be able to be the oath promises of God that are for saving of our soul. And this is just as Christ had said, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Matthew 16, 26. The oath promises of God contain main goals that are placed for us by God, which consist in adopting our body by the redemption of Christ. This is the goal, the guarantee of our salvation. This is that guarantee, that testimony that Enoch received at his time before he was taken to heaven to bear their Methuselah. This promise of adopting your body by the redemption of Christ here on earth. In order to receive such promises into your heart as an element of the faith of God, it is necessary to die for your nation, the house of your father, and for destructive desires that we, being intrigued by the spirit of deception, have received when performing the work of personal evangelism and personal good work. We have noted that in the allegories and proverbs of Scripture, the symbol of the paths of righteousness, a stream of living water that flows from under the threshold of the temple to the east, where there's a multitude of fish presented in the form of a multitude of different promises. A symbol of the nets of righteousness upon the paths of righteousness <clears throat> is the confession of the faith of the heart into which we are called to catch the promises that are linked to the door of our hope in order to provide God proper basis to adopt our body with his redemption. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar, Ezekiel 47.1. In these four chapters that we read, Prophet Ezekiel, being inspired by the Spirit, describes the vision of the temple that he saw. What was the temple consisting of its and the goal and purpose of its making to bring acceptable sacrifice to God in Christ Jesus in order to pray. Because why is it then created? It was created so that our prayer be an offering before God. A prayer will not be an offering until the temple is constructed and here it's talking about the temple of our body all the details of our the temple of our body it's difficult to capture uh, your uh, all of these things with the mind that's why you have to prepare your heart to listen only the Holy Spirit will allow us to identify these things it's talking here again about the temple of our body we note that the phrase then he brought me back to the door of the temple speaks of the fact that before Prophet Ezekiel was brought back to the door of the temple, which faced east, he needed to walk a specific path within the inner court of the temple. This walkway or path 
as we note, was facing north to a specific place to the west where the priests needed to boil the offering for offenses and sins where there were, they were to bake bread offerings. But this is only for priests. We don't find this in the tabernacle of Moses or temple of Solomon. There was only one outer courtyard, but here in this temple we see the temple of our body, two courts, where the priests boil offering for first their sin and then in another court boil the offering for the sins and trespasses of the nation. They needed to walk a specific path and after that go out into the outer courtyard of the temple and walk the four corners of the court and each of the corners of the outer courtyard of the temple had an enclosed court that was 40 cubits long and 30 cubits wide around each of the four corners was a wall and the wall had cooking hearths where the bron where within bronze pots uh, those who served in the temple boiled offering of the nation now he brought me through the entrance which was at the side of the gate into the holy chambers, chambers of the priests which faced toward the north and there is a place where it's situated it was at the extreme western end and he said to me this is the place where the priest shall boil the trespass offering and the sin offering and where they will bake the grain offering so that they do not bring them into an out into the outer courtyard to sanctify the people. Then he brought me out into the outer courtyard and caused me to pass by the four corners of the court. And in fact, in every corner of the court, there was another court. In the four corners of the courts were enclosed courts, 40 cubits long and 30 wide. All four corners were the same size. There was a row of building stones all around them. All around the four of them and cooking hearths were made under the rows of stones all around it. Ezekiel 46, 19-24 In the offering that was on the extreme western end containing the process of casting off the old man with his deeds where we are called to uh, die for our nation, the house of our father and for the corrupt desires of our soul. David often said, when I lift up my hands as the evening sacrifice in the temple there was a morning offering and an evening offering. And he had taken this offering. He lifts up his hands and says, My prayer as the evening sacrifice. With this, he said that that my body needs to be redeemed by the redemption of Christ, and this will happen to the extreme western end. This is the evening sacrifice where they boil in these bronze pots. And we talked about this, that the bronze pots are the ability to uh, cook yourself as in symbolically, uh, to judge yourselves, to have a strong spirit so that you can uh, weigh yourself constantly upon the scales to see how much, how much you correspond to God's requirement or the conditions of his commandments and statutes. And again, it was the process that consisted 
for the dying of our of 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 us for our house, the house of our father, for our nation, and for our destructive desires of our souls. And the conditions for this process is to consider yourself dead to sin, living for God, proclaiming the not existent as existent. This is to boil, is to consider yourself and call yourself. When you say, Lord, I thank you that you have allowed me to die for the house of my father, for my nation, and for my destructive, my corrupt desires of my soul, this is... I boil myself in this bronze pot. For you die and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Colossians 3, 3, 4. When you discover yourself in the resurrection of Christ, which is your life, then you will also appear with Him in glory. At the same time, in the offerings that were being boiled in the four enclosed corners of the courts contained the process of renewing of our mind with the spirit of our mind, where our conscience was cleansed from dead works. If it was at the western end that we cast off the old man, then in these four enclosed corners of the courts, they contain the process of renewing of our mind with the spirit of our mind, where our conscience was cleansed from dead works by the power of the truth that is contained in the blood of, of the cross of Christ. This is the teaching of Christ, the four base teachings, each having its, its own three. The four rivers that flowed from the Garden of Eden that watered the entire world of our Eden where we meet with the Lord. Here is the renewing of our mind with the mind of Christ. Such a state provides God the proper grounds to remove within our body the old man and destroy the stronghold of death upon which he relied in order to erect the stronghold of life within our body when we will be returned back to the doors of the temple. So the first thing that the prophet saw when he was brought to the back to the door of the temple is that under the threshold of the temple there were two streams of living water flowing toward the east for the temple faced east and they flowed these two streams of living water south of the altar then he brought me back to the door of the temple and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east for the temple uh, the front of the temple faced east the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple south of the altar Again, he brought him to the door of the temple, and he brought me out by the by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east, and there was water running out on the right side. He brought him again in through the eastern gate, then led him out through the south, uh, northern gate, and then brought him back toward in, in, toward the and inside the eastern gate. The southern side of the altar where the two streams of living water flowed from under, under the threshold is a symbol of our mind. We know that south is always a symbol of our mind, the ability of our renewed mind. The temple in the southern part, there was the lamp, and it brought and it uh, provided light uh, to uh, to to be able to see. Then the table of showbreads and the breads themselves upon the pure golden table before the Lord with frankincense. 
And so the southern side of the altar, where the two streams of living water flowed from under the threshold, is a symbol of our mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind and a symbol of our pure words or pure mouth that collaborating during the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ act as one command. As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I wake in your likeness. Psalm 17.15 Our mind and our words work as one command. Again, the symbol of the threshold in the temple of our body is our humility demonstrated in obedience to the preached word of the person that is clothed into the power of a father of God. In our body, this is our spirit. This is our priest. This is a symbol of our prince worshiping God at the threshold of the temple of our body and the status of the intelligent aspect of our soul with our priest in the status of the intelligent aspect of our spirit. This is where the Holy Spirit begins to describe uh, as this prince the prince shall enter by the way of the vestibule of the gateway from the outside and stand by the gate post. The priest shall prepare his burnt offering and his peace offerings. He shall worship at the threshold of the, of the gate. Then he shall go out, but the gate shall not be shut until evening. Ezekiel 46.2 And so again, our mind, although it's anointed, doesn't have the right to enter into the temple. Only our new person enters into the temple that has the mind of Christ. He is the priest, and this mind collaborates with our our mind uh, collaborates with our renewed mind. The symbol of the right side of the temple of our body from which the two streams of life flow to the east is the symbol of the righteousness of our heart demonstrated in the teaching of the eternal judgment which is the face of the temple of our body turned toward the east. The two streams of living water that flow under the right side of the temple of our body is the confession of the faith of God with our mouth that abides within our heart in the form of the Thummim and Urim. The Urim and Thummim demonstrate these two uh, flowing uh, streams that come from the mouth of man. And such confession includes prayer that is done in tongues and by the mind as well. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Who thirsts is the first condition, and who believes is the second. That believes means obeys my, uh, my words. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. John 7, 37-39 The second that the prophet saw is that the man that showed him the vision in the temple led him into the temple by the eastern gate and led him out by the northern gate and afterwards walked him around the outside and again brought him to the eastern gate from under which the water flowed by the southern side from under the threshold of the side of the temple toward the east. To enter into the temple by the eastern gate is to confirm the throne of David in our body with judgment and righteousness. To confirm, it is there, but you need to confirm him. Confirm, establish that throne. Of the increase of his government, 
and peace there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to uh, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this Isaiah 9 7 and so we need to again walk through these eastern gates we need to receive the eternal judgment and establish that in our in our hearts to be led out by the southern gate in the temple means to leave the uh, sign of the covenant with God upon the uh, and proclaim this with your mouth and this confirmation is the truth of the cross of Christ in the status of the seal the Lord is there and so again the southern gate is a symbol of the cross or the northern gate the northern gate is a symbol of the Lord is there that is if you remember the prophet when he had realized that his mouth was unclean impure before the Lord he didn't know and he discovered this when the Lord showed him and when he confessed and he admitted the fact that his mouth was unclean one of the cherubims had taken a coal from the fire and accessed his mouth put it near near to his mouth uh, and cleansed his mouth and left the seal the Lord is there when upon our lips it shall be the seal of the cross of Christ and so again that means to be led out by the northern gate and having the seal the Lord is there this is the throne of David that's when they'll say the Lord is there the name of that city from that day shall be the Lord is there, Ezekiel 48:35. The symbol of the northern gate within the temple of our body is the confessions with the, with our pure mouth, the faith of our heart, which are the twelve showbreads that are in two rows upon the pure table of God, the golden table of God. This is a sign of the covenant you have with God. The symbol of this golden table that is made of pure gold on the this is a symbol of our conscience cleansed from dead works and the twelve breads upon this table of show breads is a symbol of the elementary principles of Christ that is imprinted upon the tablets of our heart and the two tablets in the heart also are two and so the two rows of showbreads the same thing here as the two mountains uh, two tribe or six tribes on one six tribes on the other and they confirmed the covenant that God gave them on Sinai they confirmed the blessing and curses of the covenant the two tenth of an ephah as it talked about uh, the preparation of the breads is a symbol of holiness that is the urim and the thummim within the heart of a man the sh- layout of these breads in two rows uh, six in, in each row is remembrance of the confirmation of the covenant you made with God and this covenant is what abides within our heart and was confirmed upon these two mountains as you remember the symbol 
of this pure frankincense in the twelve upon the uh, twelve breads in the heart of a man consists, and what it is is confirmation of the word of God. and the ability not to peddle with the word of God as many do unfortunately have done and do today for the unclean this fragrance of frankincense will be uh, a bad smell, a foul smell but for angels, for God and for the saints this will be a true fragrance Again, the result of this pure uh, frankincense upon the table of show, uh, upon the breads that are upon the table of showbreads is again not peddling with the word of God as many do due to their ignorance and their fame and their greed. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and, and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as so many peddling the word of God but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 2, 14-17 The third that the prophet saw was that the man who showed him the vision of the temple was walking to the east, and he was upon the water, and he had this measuring line in his hand. And so again, before the prophet was led in through the eastern gate, God wanted to show him how God uh, God wanted to show this prophet how he would destroy the stronghold of death within a person. In these two uh, flowing streams of living water, God wanted to show how the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. God having the proper basis, he would be able to, again with the assistance of the Urim and Thummim, to erect the stronghold of life. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. Hosea 13.14 The symbol of the man whose appearance was as this beautiful bronze who was to the east who had the measuring line in his hand as a symbol of our inability of our new person that has the strength of the Lord to examine he has the ability to examine himself as or whether he is in the faith of God This measuring line that was made of flax is the ability of our heart or discovering or inspecting our heart, whether it is in the truth of the resurrection of Christ and the way in which we are walking and knowing and uh, discovering whether the way that we are walking is in accordance to God's commandments. Flax, as you know, is something they use to prepare a garment for the priests and uh, 
these generally are uh, high valued and have a, a high price on them, clothing that is made. It, uh, this clothing generally is very well uh, resistant and in this clothing a person does practically does not sweat. It has the ability to uh, keep a person cool uh, during hot temperatures. Flax, uh, uh, that was, and the robe that was made for the priest, uh, was a holy thing. And what did this mean exactly? Is that this is the ability to find within ourselves the justification of God. He who was he was delivered because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Romans 4:25. This place of scripture is this uh, robe for us. He died for our offenses and res was resurrected. This is the seed that died and and was able to bring forth fruit. The measuring wreath with the symbol of bronze is the ability to measure our building of the uh, with uh, to, to inspect or to uh, compare our building with the house of God how much it is in accordance to God's requirements and how it's being built if it's in accordance to God's requirements and God's instructions to understand the paths of the Lord upon the paths of righteousness I will again uh, re read uh, a part of the place of scripture been studying and when the man went out to the east with a line in his hand and measured 1,000 cubits and he brought me through the waters the water came up to my ankles again he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters and the water came up to my knees again he measured 1,000 and brought me through the water came up to my waist again he measured 1,000 and it was a river that I could not cross for the water was too deep water in which one must swim a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. Ezekiel 47, 3-6 In this vision, we see four uh, measures of time. Each one has is a thousand cubits, and each one brought the prophet deeper and deeper into the water. And it brought him to a point where it was too high and he was not able to walk anymore, needed to swim in it. What is this thousand cubits? In each one of these stages, it identifies the faithfulness of God in every uh, stage of time. And this is faithfulness to God and keeping his covenant that he made, your covenant that you made with him. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him in their to their face and destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Deuteronomy 7, 8, 9, and 10. This is the faithfulness of God that uh, prolongs that thousand generations. Today, uh, from Adam until today, we don't even have a hundred generations as of yet. Even 
there's not even been a hundred generations. The four uh, stages where the Holy Spirit does the work of submerging us the more and more into the <coughs> depths of the living waters. This is an identification of the grace of God <coughs> and every stage of, of where the Lord leads us into His grace. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 3. Very interesting, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to kill the old person, and a time to heal then our soul afterwards, a time to break down the stronghold of death, and a time to build up ourselves up into a spirit, a, a holy a house and a holy priesthood. And if we don't know what to do in each of these four stages, then our temple will never have this flowing water that flows toward the east and then the Holy Spirit will not have the need to then lead us into the depths of his of his grace the time of spring is the time where we demonstrate before God our readiness and knowledge about him and our ability to uh, to catch uh, the foxes and to do his work and continue to do his work. My beloved spoke and said to me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, and the time of singing has come. The voice of the turtle dove is heard in the land. The fig tree puts forth her green figs, and the vines with the tender grapes give a good smell. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away, O my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the cliff. Let me see your face, let your, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet, and your face is lo lovely. Catch, catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. My beloved is mine, and I am his. And so again, what's happening? We're catching the foxes during the springtime. A fox in scripture are false prophets that demonstrate themselves as true prophets, not being so. This is our human mind, first of all, our intellect that tries to interpret the scriptures or the human spirit that is not cleansed from dead works that hears something there and <clears throat> says that the Holy Spirit has revealed something. Being a fox and bears little foxes and spoils the vines. And during this time you need to catch these foxes because they will spoil the vines. This is the time of, of spring when the blooming happens and the time of summer is where we demonstrate before God the hunger and thirst for His Word that is necessary for growing the seed of the promise that is sown in our heart. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. 
of course, it's not talking about the physical earth we're talk that we live on here. We see that our earth, although it's mostly of water, there's a dry, dry land everywhere. India, uh, Africa, a lot of places that you'll see there's no water. It, in India, for people to go get water, they walk four hours one direction to get uh, get water to drink. And in Africa, there was another. I saw they were showing a. Uh, they were showing a. a on the television, they were showing a program where there was uh, women that walk, and they walk for hours at a time with vessels on their heads. Uh, there's um, almost about two buckets worth of water in each vessel, uh, the capacity, and a large group of women, they each gather uh, water, and she puts it on her head and walks all the way back. If you can imagine the abilities that people have because they're so used to doing this kind of thing uh, to get water. Um, they also show India how uh, valuable, how important the water is, how precious it is uh, there. When it compares to uh, salt waters, there's maybe about 2% of, <clears throat> of sweet water that actually exists. Uh, today, a lot of the battles that happen, especially in the eastern regions, is because uh, of water. In Russia, there are unusual uh, uh, amounts of water, fresh water in that place, uh, and they want that, want those, want those places, and want the want the locations where they are. People understand that they're not able to uh, go on as they are, so they need more water. You visit the earth and water it, you greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. <clears throat> you provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its ridges abundantly. The settle, you settle its furrows. You make it soft with, sh with showers. You bless its growth. You crown the year with your goodness, and your paths drip with abundance. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness. We know that pa what pastures are of the wilderness. These are people who have come and sanctified themselves, pre prepared themselves, and little hills rejoicing on every side. You, in your covenant with God, begins to begin to gird yourself with righteousness. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys are also covered with grain. They shout for joy. They sing also sing. It's talking about people that, based upon the covenant, confess this, receive this, their confessions are a flow of water that flows from the temple, and the Lord says, this is my uh, stream of water, and He waters our earth with the confessions of the faith of our heart. 
the time of fall is the time of harvest that is sown with tears that where we demonstrate before God the fruit of righteousness. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him, understanding the significance of the times. Apostle Paul wrote these things, Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom, a revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which we, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion, and every name that is in na- that is named, not only in his this age but also in what, in the one which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. And so everything that God does in heaven, he does also in the body of his remnant as well at the same time. And this happens during the fall time. (laughs) He put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Ephesians 1, 16-23. Again, here it's talking about the Word of God in Jesus Christ uh, that the Lord has magnified above all His names and placed above all things. He placed his word as head of his body as ruler and we need to acknowledge that the time of winter is the time when we demonstrate before God that we are dead to sin and alive for God if you would have been cold winter time and to the angel of the church of the Lydakians write these things as the Amen, the Father and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I remember when I was speaking with one brother on the phone and he after our conversation said Amen. Episcopal and an Episcopal he we were friends and I was surprised how you can say the name of God uh, imagine you say, where are you going? You ask a question, and instead of saying goodbye, you say, amen. And you need to be very careful when you na- when you use the names of God. Use them. This is faithfulness and truth. Uh, amen is God's faithfulness and God's truth. That's... Th- And the angel of the church of the Lydakians write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness and beginning of the creation of God. 
I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. It says, I offer to you, if you keep keep reading, I offer uh, you eye salvation so that I, your eyes can see and clothing so that you may put it on so your nakedness would not show. I offer to you my anointing, my justification, and so forth. And the fourth that the prophet was shown when he, from the depths of the living waters, returned to the temple that faces the east is that there were a lot of trees on the one and other side along the bank of the river on the side on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail they will bear fruit every month because their waters flow from the sanctuary of course this symbolizes the tree of life that grows because their water flows from the sanctuary, their fruit will be for food and the leaves for medicine. This alone says that this will not happen. This uh, testifies of the fact, these words, these things that are written here, uh, is talking about things that will happen here on earth. It won't happen in heaven. Because in heaven, there will not be anyone ill or anyone needing medicine. But where it says that the leaves will be for medicine, this will be here on earth. The fruit will be used for food and their leaves for medicine. And this is not just Prophet Ezekiel. We see this also in the, uh, the books of Apostle John. And so the fruits of these trees that represents the results of the fulfillment of the commandments of God is a, uh, a gentle mouth and this is because of the result of your gentle heart. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Proverbs 15.4 How do you identify a person whether he's uh, uh, of the flesh or spirit by how he speaks, if he has a humble mouth, a restrained mouth, if he's not restrained, if he's not humble, he does not understand authority, uh, does not understand God's theocracy, uh, he's not a person of the spirit, he's of the flesh. That doesn't mean, doesn't mean he's not a child of God. Because what's happening is his emotions run ahead of his heart. He does something wrong and then sees, what have I done? And these, this is a category of, of good, people of the flesh, because they see it, because there are people of the flesh that will not ever uh, see ever anything again that they do wrong. They have converted into the unclean and wicked. But these are people of the flesh that... Uh, uh, realize their faults, the, their wrongdoing, and want to correct those things. And this means that they're upon the right path. They need to take their words back. The symbol of the leaves of the trees for the healing of the nations is the ability to be a light of the Most High. This is a light, be a light to the world.
The fifth that the prophet saw when he returned to the doors of the temple is that the living waters that flow from under the threshold go out to flatlands and goes uh, into the seas and the seas become uh, become healed or are then healed. Here it's talking about the Dead Sea that in the mortal body of a person is a symbol of the holiness of the law of Moses that discovers sin and gives power to sin that produces then death. In Israel, there is a Dead Sea, but this is a symbol here. In the body of a person, there is such a Dead Sea that exists. It is there until or while that old person is there. The law of Moses. It will discover the sin and give power to the sin. But when the flow of living water, which is the service of justification, this is the redeeming uh, goodness of God, God receives then the basis to adopt our bodies and they become healed, our bodies become healed for God's promises. Why do the promises of God die in the in the heart of a man? Because he has the Dead Sea in his, in his heart. The law of condemnation is still ruling there, the law of works. And all of the promises they re- this person receives, they die. But when the two streams of living water fall into it, the law of grace and the law of justification, all of this Dead Sea becomes a living uh, sea and there are then much large fish there. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh he has made alive together with him having forgiven you all trespasses having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us which was contrary to us and he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross having disarmed principalities and powers he made a, a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it Colossians 2 11 through 15 this teaching of truth by which the Lord had wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us is is the uh, format of the law of the spirit of life, uh, law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The sixth thing that the prophet saw was that any, uh, all the uh, living creatures will become alive with this living water that flows. Then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the rivers go will live. You will confess uh, the word and then God will begin to activate this word, this truth in your body. 
wherever the rivers go will live, there will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed and everything will live wherever the river goes. It shall be that fishermen will stand by it from En-Gedi to En-Eglame. They will be placed for spreading their nets. Their fish will be of the same kinds of the f- as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. As in the oceans you see uh, large fish, uh, but its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Salt will still remain. Your words will be with grace uh, and with added salt, the salt of holiness. These marshes and swamps will keep our dedication. Our swamps on our earth, they also are healing. If you remove these swamps, there will be an ecological uh, catastrophe. People didn't understand this before they dried them out, but when they saw this, the animals started to die, the water started to go away. But when they dried out these swamps, 40 meters uh, they dig and there's still no waters. And all of the water that was in places like any vigil is vi- uh, villages, they uh, dug uh, dug out wells so that they could draw up water, because there was no pipes or irrigation systems at the time or any kind of uh, plumbing systems, and so. I was, when I was a young man, I was in these uh, small towns and these small little villages and would uh, go and draw water with the rest and, uh, and, and would carry it from the wells. And you bring water for washing clothing and, and for preparing meals and There was a wooden bucket, and I would go and draw water and fill it up, uh, fill it up all the way uh, until it was completely full uh, to the to the to the rim. And uh, I would be able to, and I learned and practiced to carry it so that nothing would uh, fall out of it. We need to understand that the salt that the Lord gives to us. There'll be much water, but the salt will remain. The salt will keep this living water that the Lord will bring into our body. Our word needs to always be with salt, with holiness. I say, when you prepare a meal, uh, soup or, or whatever it may be, and you add a little bit of salt, if you add more salt than you need. Not everyone can eat it. Some love it, uh, love it when there's a lot more salt or a little extra salt. But, n- but for example, uh, often people in European countries don't like a lot of uh, too much salt, and others love too uh, a lot more salt than others. The symbol of the Dead Sea that demonstrates our mortal body. 
will become healthy or healed or alive. This is a symbol of the stronghold of the death in the body of man, which will be transformed into, into the stronghold of life. And so what happens then is all the promises are resurrected in the body and any prom, uh, promise uh, that you will begin to confess will then begin to work. The Lord is making it that even now they start working. If you consider yourself dead to sin, living for God, then I will account these things to you, your righteousness to you, and any promise that is necessary for uh, help uh, you can confess as your own. Thank God that you have it, and the Holy Spirit will do the work. And so, to stand at the uh, at the beach of this of this waters, at the edge of these waters, is to stand at at the liberty of Christ and cast your nets uh, to catch the promises of God. And so that means to confess with your mouth the promises of the adoption of our body by the by the redemption of Christ, because our body is a lot of uh, of Jesus Christ. This is His belonging, His possession. And when it's talking about the swamps that will become here, will. Uh, that will not become healed, that will remain with salt, means that they are called to to add this holiness, this element of holiness into our confessions. And every offering of your grain offering you shall season with salt. You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering. With all your offerings you shall offer salt. Leviticus 2.13 <coughs> And so sometimes people think that uh, fresh waters are, when we're talking about uh, unleavened breads, uh, it doesn't mean that it doesn't have salt. Uh, oftentimes these unleavened breads did have salt, and it just means that it didn't have yeast. Unleavened bread just didn't have yeast, but it did still contain salt. A woman, the kingdom is like a, a kingdom of hen is like a woman that had mixed flour and uh, added yeast. Colossians 4, 5, 6 Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time let your speech always be with grace seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each one if a person is not a light to the world he is not able to fulfill his calling in order to present the paths of righteousness in the nets of righteousness and this means that he does not have true godliness to collaborate with the goodness of God Amen. Right now we will pray, we will bend our knees, and all those who desire to 
resist the law of sin and death by the power of the law of grace because of God's grace he justifies a person and by the law of condemnations he doesn't justify but just forgives sin it remains and but is covered but in the law of justification he will blot out and erase your sins those who are bound with sin their feelings condemn them or they're bound by any sort of sin that they're bound by fear untimely death poverty illnesses whatever it may be we wait for you here at the altar and the Holy Spirit and the power by his power is here is able to give to you what you need today Amen. Let us pray. I'm going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe in the fact that God is for you He is not against you He can right now cleanse you justify you blot out your sins before Himself and place 
you upon his path of righteousness so that you can be a net for yourself so that God can, with the confessions of the faith of your heart, to heal your bodies and to adopt them by the redemption of Christ. Let us close our eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a sign that you're ready to receive from God what He desires to give you. Lift your hands without doubt and anger. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you. I open up my heart. I confess my sins. I reject my sins. I hate my sins. I hate sinful dependence. I love your holiness. I love your wonderful purity. I am in awe of you. You are my God. I am your child. I accept into my heart your justification in the blood of Jesus Christ. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven, and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with great, his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May the blessings of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be upon you. May the Lord show his glory and his power on you, and may he drive out the old person from your body and erect within your body the stronghold of life. May the Lord lift you up and bless you and your children, and the nation shall say, Amen. This is what in scripture is called the supper. This is that banquet. God said, I've bought this, uh, I, brought, I invited you to this banquet. But people had excuses that I went and bought my oxen. I can't. I got married. I can't. They get married. They do something. And he then said, bring all those others that are outside of the city that do not belong to these synagogues, to these sects. They brought then all the people and uh, and when I looked at the guests and one was in there that did not have wedding clothes, how did you end up here? He said, the garment that just of justification that the Lord gives to us needs to be on us. We need to come here and know that we're here according to God's mercy. We haven't deserved anything we have. We have received justification freely, and we come to be nourished with the bread of life in the garments of justification. 
and you are most bl the blessed, most blessed people that we li live in this most surprising these last days, when the promise, when the then the body, within our body will happen when these two streams of life, the truth of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, have activated these promises. And we now have joy and hope and faith. And we with patience wait until God will glorify His remnant and will adopt our bodies by the redemption of His Son. We right now consider ourselves dead to sin and living for God. And right now, we already proclaim the not-existent as existent. And let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.